0: Well, you're listening to Quad Dot Rocks, God of the World, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission: you've got it. Advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. One of my favorite lines from Elmer Fudd in his battle to capture Bugs Bunny is when he thinks he finally has Bugs in his sights. He says to him, "All white rabbit, there is nowhere you can run from the long arm of the wall. I tell you, my friend, the people behind that series were absolutely creative, and you know that's what Jesus Christ wants for every one of us is a life of freedom and creativity, a life of meaningfulness, a life of happiness, a life of joy, a life with no bounds. But we have to understand what that means and how we achieve that from God Almighty. Today's title is "Mending Walls." This is season eleven. Episode 233, Title, Mending Walls, Subtitle, Can a Life of Restrictions Also Be a Life of Freedom? One of the earliest poems I remember hearing that fundamentally stuck in my brain, it would have been about 7th grade, is Robert Frost's Mending Wall. Two phrases that are cleated in my brain are, something there is that doesn't love a wall, and good fences make good neighbors. I've included in the show notes a YouTube link, to an actual recording of Frost himself reciting his poem. It's fascinating to hear. Frost makes the powerful statement, Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in and what I was walling out. What about walls? Where do you end up as a person if there are no walls? Are all walls bad? In the 1960s, perhaps the greatest time for the cultural appreciation of poetry like Frost's the teenagers and early 20-somethings rebelled in mass against the concepts of any cultural walls. Timothy Leary, one of the early proponents of LSD and psychedelic drug use, coined the now famous phrase, turn on, tune in, drop out, when he spoke to more than 30,000 hippies in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park at the Human B-N. That's B-E-I-N. But the hippies of the 60s who jettisoned the concept of any walls and all walls of social and religious restrictions and boundaries have become the godless, immoralists, globalists, totalitarian thinking senior adults of our day. I want to say that again because this is the truth. If you want to know what's going on in our culture today, it's because the hippies of the 60s who jettisoned the concepts of all walls of social and religious restrictions and boundaries have become the godless, immoralists, globalists, totalitarian thinking senior adults of our day. And their walllessness of the 60s has come home to roost as oppressive, myopic, restrictive, addictive, dictatorial, narcissistic, community destroying walls. The hippie mantra of don't fence me in is now we will fence you in. So what about walls? The human spirit longs for freedom to soar and become, but how is that possible from the vantage point of fallen man who transgressed that first wall of God-mandated prohibition only to land outside the wall in ruin and eternal damnation? There is a spiritual wall that comes from God that both protects restricts and, at the same time, provides ultimate freedom and liberation. Well-fortified cities like Jerusalem, at the height of her success, have broad walls. The Bible says in Nehemiah 3, verse 8, that they fortified Jerusalem to the broad wall. Archaeologists have found the remnants of the broad wall. It's 21 feet thick. The new Jerusalem must, in like manner, be surrounded and preserved, by a broad wall of non-conformity to the world and separation from its customs and spirit. The tendency of these days break down the holy barrier and make the distinction between the church and the world merely nominal. That's not a good thing. Nominal means in name only. This is the terrible place to which the organized church on the earth has come. The earthly church in America, and I mean church with a little c, and by that I'm referring to the organization of man, which may or may not contain the actual body of Christ, has sought to use the world's marketing tools and entrepreneurial business savvy to, quote, build the kingdom, only to create inferior pseudo-social clubs led by pompous potentates who make merchandise of the people and feed off the sheep. Let me read that again. All of this has come about to create inferior pseudo-social clubs led by pompous potentates who make merchandise of the people and feed off of the sheep. These wolves in sheep's clothing have breached the broad wall like the Trojan horse of old through treachery and deceit. Look up those two words, what their definitions are. And in the best of schemes, they prepare one sermon a week and spend their days unaccounted for, accountable to no one, not even God. Then we wonder what has happened to our world. And dear friend, I am telling you, I'm 63 years old, and I'm speaking from absolute experience, firsthand experience. And then if you are a member of a local church, you need to begin to ask questions on what does your pastors or pastor do with their time throughout the week? When I was a kid, a pastor was required to prepare at least three messages per week, one for Sunday morning, one for Sunday night, and one for Wednesday night. The pastor of the modern church today prepares one message. If it's a mega church, he'll preach that message many times. Yes, but it's one message. And I'm telling you, I have prepared many messages in my life, hundreds and hundreds of messages. Yes, it takes time and a well-prepared message takes time, but it does not take all of the time in the week. And the modern pastor of today's church makes no home visits, does not go into the communities where the people are hurting and they're in poverty and they're in lack. And so you've got to ask yourself, what is your pastor doing with all of their time? I know of one of the mega churches, one of the largest churches in the United States that during the pandemic, the pastor was no call, no show. The majority of the staff was no call, no show. And in the midst of the gap, people were saying, but we want to come to church So some of the associates began to take leadership responsibility and provide the church service. The person who began to preach the messages fell into disrepair with the pastor because he became so popular and was ultimately removed or ousted. Dear friend, you've got to ask yourself, what is your pastor doing with all of his time during the week? Is it any wonder to hear of all of these prominent, huge megachurch pastors being revealed to be immoralists, being revealed to be adulterers, being revealed to be molesters. Dear friend, we've got to wake up. The wall has been breached. The breach in the broad wall has resulted in every form of malformation in what should be the thriving body and kingdom of Christ. It's clear from a 50,000-foot flyover perspective that where the quote-unquote kingdom of God presently resides on earth The repair in the breach of the wall cannot be achieved from here. Professors of all academic schools, and by that, I don't just mean theological schools, but schools of learning. In other words, within any university, you'll have the school of science, you'll have the school of education, you'll have the school of economics, but professors of all academic schools are no longer strict and puritanical in their thinking. And by that, I mean practicing or affecting strict religious or moral behavior. Somehow along the way, we came to a place in modern religious life where we connotate puritanical as being wrong or restrictive or even evil. But that cannot be further from the truth. So now questionable media is read, listened to, watched. Frivolous pastimes are currently indulged. And a general laxity threatens to deprive the Lord's peculiar people. That means we're special, we're set aside. The Bible talks about the churches being the called out ones, But now it threatens to deprive the Lord's peculiar people of those sacred singularities to which separate them from sinners. Dear friend, at the end of the day, if we look like a duck, talk like a duck, quack like a duck, we're ducks. It will be an ill day for the church and the world when the proposed amalgamation shall be complete and the sons of God and the daughters of men shall be as one. Then shall another deluge of wrath be ushered in. Charles Spurgeon wrote that over 150 years ago. He wrote, In the 1850s, it will be an ill day for the church and the world when the proposed amalgamation shall be complete and the sons of God and the daughters of men shall be as one. Then shall another deluge of wrath be ushered in. My friend, this is where we find ourselves today. Friend, be it our aim in heart, in word, in dress, in action to maintain the broad wall remembering that the friendship of this world is enmity against God. The broad wall afforded a pleasant place of resort for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for which they could command prospects of the surrounding country. This reminds us of the Lord's exceeding broad commandments in which we walk at liberty in communion with Jesus, overlooking the scenes of earth and looking out towards the glories of heaven. Separated from the world and denying ourselves all ungodliness and fleshly lusts, We are nevertheless not in prison, nor restricted within narrow boundaries, but to the contrary, we walk at liberty because we keep His precepts. I extend the call to all of us to walk with God in His laws. Just as in the days of old when friend met friend upon the city wall, so let us meet our God in the way of holy prayer and meditation. The protective walls of salvation we have a right to travel across, for we are people of freedom of the royal Burge, a citizen of the metropolis of the universe. What words of power, insight. We are citizens of the metropolis of the universe. What a word picture Spurgeon painted when he used the word Burge. Burges were typically settlements under the protection of a castle and usually had a marketplace with a widened high street or junction marked by a meerkat cross beside houses for the burgesses and other inhabitants. A meerkat cross is the Scots' name for the market cross found frequently in Scottish cities, towns, and villages where historically the right to hold a regular market or fair was granted by the monarch or bishop or baron. It therefore served as a secular purpose as a symbol of authority and was an indication of a burgess' relative prosperity. Friend, to maintain the broad wall results in the divine protection of God the freedom to move beyond the castle gates to live a life of fullness, success, and prosperity, personal ownership, integrity, significance, and get this, deep, meaningful community with others. Friend, this is a deep meditation we should come to time and again, preserved by a broad wall of nonconformity to the world and separation from its customs and spirit. Separated from the world and denying ourselves all ungodliness and fleshly lusts, we are nevertheless not in prison nor restricted within narrow boundaries, but to the contrary, we walk at liberty because we keep his precepts. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.